welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. Oh, good morning, everybody. As you can see, it is an idyllic Saturday morning here in Minnesota. We are out at the Slavic Farm. We're sitting over on my patio. It is too nice to be in the war room. It is too nice to be in the shop. It's too nice to be live broadcasting from inside. So I am out here enjoying the beautiful day here. Um, God, so we're on, uh, we're live on Instagram as well too. This is the Ask a Painter live show. It's a weekly live Facebook show where I use my over three decades, uh, almost three decades of experience to answer any questions and uh, sort of give you a snippet into the life of a paint business entrepreneur and a master craftsperson. So um, fun, fun kind of show today. Um, this is one where I can kick back, uh, talk about the year, give an update of where we are. Um, I love this sort of stuff, like recentering yourself, letting yourself be present in the moment, knowing where you are, thinking about the future, the visioning part. It's a super fun thing. So one thing that I will promise to you guys is um, you can ask any question, suggest any topic you want. We will be uh, answering those uh, a little bit later. Um, Got to get through some business first, though. Uh, so the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, you guys know, I know and love them. I'm on the board of directors there. Um, the PCA, people say, why do you join? And I will say there's a whole bunch of like stuff you can grab right away, which is there's free industry standards. Have you ever wanted to know what a properly painted wall looks like? It's actually legally spelled out and it's free to you right now. Also, if you want health insurance, like robust, real gold standard health insurance at a discounted rate for you and the rest of your company, it's there for members. So that's like an immediate grab that you can do. Uh, but also, one of the coolest things ever is they are the holders of the industry's finest um, videoed learning management system and training for painters. And soon, this fall, business as well too. So. Um, uh, we are, uh, Jason Paris and I, our pet project is the Business Accelerator, and that will be launched later this year. It is a crazy, crazy, in-depth sort of knowledge base, a series of videos, a learning management system. There's going to be cohorts of live people with coaches and things like that. And yeah, we are going to rock and roll with that thing. It is going to be absolutely amazing here. So, all right, I already see Aaron. I already see your uh, your questions here. Um, let me get through a little bit of stuff, and then we'll, we'll talk about uh, avoiding burnout. So... Um, next week, uh, Jason Paris and I having an event here in Minnesota, uh, mainly uh, all the heavy lifting done by Jason Paris and his olive people. I'm just sort of in Minnesota and I'm helping him out, throwing a hand in like that. Um, so it's called PBN. There's a link here in the show. If you guys want to attend, see us, see all of Jason's uh, team. Jason is known for kind of like opening up his life and his business to people to get an inside glance, much like the Escapainer live show. And Jason and I will be there uh, the whole time. Uh, you can visit Jason's shop. You can come tour my facility, uh, meet all my people, uh, in-depth labs, workshops. This is not just a whole bunch of series right now. Uh, this is basically just like 
a lab. It's you come here, you learn, we're opening up some books, we're doing stuff together. It's going to be an awesome time. So link in the show here. If all, if you want to get involved with any other in-person events, which are honestly kind of like the gold standard of what the PCA does, uh, there's a link there as well, too. So um, Brian Cheeseman, is membership a taxable write-off? Yes, it is. But that's not the reason why you would join something like that. The, the benefits are amazing. So there's immediate stuff like standards, like training, like health insurance that you can grab and get your immediate payback. But also those in-person events, there's an inflection point in my life about five or six years ago where I met Jason Paris, I started talking to other painters, I met the PCA, I started getting involved with the people in the PCA, and you can see the hockey stick curve of my personal and professional growth immediately inflect upwards uh, after I met them. So for anybody who's ever been to an in-person PCA event, you know exactly what I mean. It's hard to kind of like quantify into one or two sentences the value of it, but basically it changed my life. And I and uh, I would not just say that. Uh, you guys know that we have a base of trust here where uh, if I talk about a product, if I talk about a process, if I talk about a group of people, um, this is not one of those things where we just throw things around lightly. Like literally, uh, some of my closest friends, personal and professional on this planet are from the PCA because those people are so substantial. So enough all that good stuff. Mark Adams, good morning. Um, let, let's actually do a question here. So, um, <laughs> Brian Cheeseman, thanks a lot, man. Aaron Michael Steininger. So uh, Aaron is famous for being the guy who gave me the Great Clips poster of that dude who sort of looks like me, but way better. That hangs in my war room right over there. Uh, but Aaron's wondering, how do you uh, how do you help your team avoid burnout? So um, as the proprietor, as the visionary of this company um, and the keeper of the culture, uh, one of the things that I have to do is pattern detection. And one of the patterns that I am always catfishing around looking for is the mental state and uh, the burnout of my people. And um, I would say, if we're being honest, over the last year, we have done well, even more than the last year. You could almost say the last five or six years, um, this company is not like a Best Buy or a Radio Shack or a Target where it's it's been around for a while, it's, 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 um, it's established, there's systems, there's processes, and we just need a oh, little pookies waving at me, and we just need people to operate them. We are a young, up-and-coming, rapidly growing, entrepreneurial, scrappy, problem-solving entity. And you have to have a certain amount of people who want to step into that and help because it's not just like, hey, here's this chair, here's this desk, here's this job, and then just sit down and do this thing. It's like, we don't have the desk yet, or we're getting the desk right now. And the computer, we're figuring that out too. It's there, but there's nothing on it. You have to create that. And also, there's going to be things that come up where you kind of need to problem solve. And we don't really know what your job is going to be like. Or here's what we think it is. And here's some things that you may have to suggest as possible improvements. And so that is a way different thing than just plopping somebody down into a corporate cubicle and saying, function in this little cog roll and do that. So you have to find special people. Now, upside is it is insanely fun. It is so fun to do that sort of business. This is my life. I love this stuff. I love creating something from nothing, from creating something real and substantial and beautiful from chaos. But it can also burn people out because there's a lot of attentiveness. You have to keep your hands on the wheel. You have to keep your brain involved. This isn't a job where you can hide in the back room. It's not a job where, you know, there's a bunch of off time. Like we need to all function on all cylinders all the time. One of the possible outcomes of that is burnout. And honestly, if, I, if I'm being 100% honest, the burnout never comes from the job description uh, of the of the particular person here, and mine either. It comes from the other humans uh, in here. 
Um, humans, uh, if they do not share your core values, they will actually be <clears throat> emotional bandwidth vampires. Um, they will uh, they will tend to steal your emotional bandwidth. And and what is emotional bandwidth? Emotional bandwidth is basically the capacity for your thought and reason. And so if your if your capacity is at uh, you have a hundred um, emotional uh, emotional bandwidth units in your day. People who typically don't share your core values will kind of steal 80% of those, 80 out of 100 of those emotional bandwidth units for you, leaving only 20 for your good people. So one of the things that me and the leadership team have been uh, learning and practicing over the last year or two is, you know, we were always the people fixers. We're like, let's go to the person who needs us the most and let's put our time into them to bring them up to the standard of all our other people who share our core values and do amazing work. And that is not always the greatest strategy. Honestly, you gotta set the standards, you gotta uphold them. But if you do that and you forsake your good people, that is not a great leadership thing to do. So over the last six months, 12 months, I've been re I've been rethinking about how I do that stuff, which is support your people, do that, but also you have to spend a lot of time with your killers, with your A-team, with your people who share your core values and are doing amazing work. Burnout comes when there's an overwhelming amount of emotional bandwidth vampires around you and this can be clients this can be employees this can be you know uh, just people around you like that so you got to protect your emotional bandwidth and so why does this even occur number one uh, we are a large company we're gonna do 600 plus jobs which mean our estimators are gonna do 2,000 estimates this year they're gonna interact with 2,000 families our project management team will likely interact with 650 to 700 new strangers this year and that's a lot of people to introduce into your life. And there's going to be some emotional bandwidth vampires in there. And again, they may not be bad people. They may not know what they do. But you have to watch out for that because you have to guard you, your family, your people around you. So one thing we do to avoid burnout is to check in constantly. Um, once a week, uh, we at least check in with uh, stress levels, with workload levels. Um, also, uh, one thing I noticed about people as well, we, we try to just lay the floor for an open and honest discussion about how you feeling, where's your stress coming from, wave the magic wand and get rid of one thing to make your life better. Let's go through that thought experiment. Um, yeah, so another thing you have to do uh, as a leader, you also have to realize that people will not just readily come up to you unprovoked and tell you exactly what they need to be happy or, or what their stress level is. So you need to be better. You need to get out ahead of it and say, hey, I'm seeing an elevated level of stress or emotional kind of uh, dissonance with you here. What's up? Talk to me. Things like that. You need to be better. If you just wait for people to come to you and tell you a lot of this stuff, sometimes it doesn't happen. And honestly, not their fault. Uh, humans don't normally function like that. So, um, yeah, that's what we do. Also, we also we, we want to make sure that the workload isn't overbearing or that if there is a ton of workload, there's a, uh, a compensation that goes along with it. Like we have a bonus structure in our company where literally if you want to work, you know, as a project manager in my company, if you if you want to work 110 hours a week, you will absolutely feel that in your paycheck and your quarterly bonuses. So uh, I do want people's extra time if they do want to put the pedal down and just hit the rev limiter red line go 100% all the time you're absolutely gonna feel that so I don't want that to be there with no added compensation as well too so all right thank you Aaron for that that's an awesome one uh, Brian thanks for the compliment uh, Holly PCA is so helpful I would agree <laughs> I would absolutely agree Juan people are sending stars um, so I've looked into the star thing it's super cool uh, you send stars I accumulate them at some point they're gonna be worth some sort of money I can guarantee you this 
whenever these stars become monetizable, like you have to hit a certain level of them, I will do something cool with or for you guys. This is not something where I'm just going to take a $100 check and put it in my pocket. We'll figure out something super unique to do, and uh, we'll figure it out then. So, uh, Dave Pine, how's it going, man? Uh, introducing you to my in-laws, staying with us for Father's Day weekend. Uh, wow. Um, yeah, hello. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, this is just a nerdy painter show. Uh, Dave, is, Dave is an awesome guy. We've met in person. Uh, also one of the coolest logos in the painting industry. But uh, Dave, I appreciate you. And to your in-laws, morning. This is weird. I'm sitting on my patio and we're just talking about nerdy paint business stuff. So uh, Mark, how's it going? Uh, Aaron Muncy, the PCA paid for itself right away. Uh, Bounty painting. How's it going, Aaron? Uh, Jesse Allen. Hey, fellow Minnesota painter. And uh, Jesse, you just... Uh, re visited me uh, for a little bit here too. That was awesome seeing you. Uh, marketing videos for the website, worth the uh, expense to be professionally done. Paris has a great one on exterior. Yeah, so it really depends on what your goals are. Like I believe in a professional website, but also I, I am the poster child for non-professional video creation, editing, and content creation. Like literally almost everything you guys see is shot with the iPhone that I use daily and drop on the ground daily. So um, it doesn't necessarily have to be professional, um, although tapping professionals at very um, critical points is a good thing. So one thing that I did was... Um, uh, I do have a professional web guy. I take an enormous amount of videos and he can look through those and say, hey, this one looks the most professional or this one would fit well for your website, things like that. Um, we do tap professionals for job site photos, like major, major, really cool job sites. We do that as well. I actually tap one of my clients who's a portraiture artist uh, to do like, you know, the black and white image of me and my overalls and stuff like that. There's at some points where you want like a very iconic image or something uh, that people are going to be a touch point for a decade maybe, uh, you want that to be done by a professional in my eyes. That's like they can capture something that maybe me and my iPhone can't. So um, I would say it's worth it, um, but also the, the the reason that I've bootstrapped and done all my own sort of videos and, and marketing and stuff like that, I have a very specific vision and I'm impatient. And uh, I don't just want to throw a whole ton of cash at somebody and hope that they share my vision as well or understand what I'm trying to do and then get it done. So I've been lucky enough to find enough of those people to help me out, but it's a real crapshoot. I mean, there's some people who are going to give you one stated product, whether you like it or not. And uh, so I'm always leery of marketers. I'm always leery of these professional sort of like marketing and, and videographers and things like that. Because a lot of times they, uh, they 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 overlay a lot of mysticism and uh, and and stuff like that over what they do when really all it is is turn your iPhone around and, and figure it out and you can do some pretty amazing videos uh, by yourself so I would try both honestly so <laughs> oh Holly your master's class is the reason I still have a business oh man Holly that means a lot to me and it was great to sit in a room with you and uh, honestly like when we think about the future of the painting industry like Holly's a perfect example of that like young scrappy excited loves what you do wanting to help those around you uh, and, and aiming to be a professional too. So we're all in this together and uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun place to be, fun place to be. Ah, Jose Pino, Borgia, my friend. Good to see you in Brazil. Have you promoted within to the management team? Brian, yes, we have one example of that and it was a failed example. Uh, that person did not work out. Um, it's way more, um, uh, so somebody stepping in from a, to a technician role to a management or leader role 
uh, is a very specific change. And typically what happens is you take the most senior person in, in a technician role and move them into a leadership or management role. It doesn't always work out. And it, two reasons. Number one, the personality of the person. There's, there's sometimes can be two distinct personalities between a, a super crafts person, a technician, and then, um, uh, and then a leader or a manager. Um, and also I believe that sometimes businesses do not prep their people well enough. I think, well, Hey, you've been here a while now. You'd be in charge of a whole bunch of these people and they don't equip them with the tools. So, Oh, Alex St. Germain, fresh Alex. Uh, uh, one of my most senior craftspeople watching here, uh, Alex was actually named uh, craftsperson of the year in North America, uh, last year through the PCA. Uh, he's an amazing young guy and, and really what, what this industry is all about right now. So, um, when we think about promoting from within, I believe that businesses need to do better to prep their people and not just say, hey, you've been here a while, now you're a manager. The word manager, management, is sort of like something we throw around a lot without any weight. It is a deeply meaningful word, managing human beings. That takes a whole other skill set of like accountability and, and, and having a plan, inspiring people, coaching people to, to accomplish that plan with you is a completely different skill set than just banging out work yourself. People like Alex St. Germain likely have the personality for both, but not everybody does. So you got to be really careful with all that stuff, or at least you have to prep your people in order to be uh, effective in that role there. But generally, I like the idea of promoting from within too. So, all right. Anthony Cade, good morning. Nick Parker, how's it going? Oh, Travis, new shirt, new t-shirt idea. <laughs> Emotional band with vampires. Garage band from the 2000s. I love that, dude. I love that. Um, oh man, people are sending all these crazy stars. Holy cow. Thank you guys. I have no idea what we're going to do with them. I see them accumulating. We'll figure it out. Oh, here we go. Uh, Aaron Hotstetter, uh, super nerdy painter question. How can I get a wiping stain look on exterior stain? A designer doesn't like brush strokes. Okay. Uh, one thing that you can always do is, oh man, I got crazy hair today. Uh, one thing you can do is look into the PPG Prolux Cetol system. It's a three coat system. Um, where it's basically kind of like a penetrating stain and, uh, and, and, uh, and color in the first coat, and it's two clears on top. It really mimics that interior fine finishing stain and varnish look. And uh, it's, I mean, it's like a super, super bang up exterior finish. Like there's a lot of science in that stuff. We do a lot of our log and cedar houses with that stuff, and it is a, an amazing thing. So I would look up, uh, I would look up those here. So uh, stars are free this week. Uh, monetized stars are available uh, to pin comments. Oh my God, that's awesome, Astrid. Thank you. Hey, if stars are free this week, bang them out, people, because you know what? Uh, let's squeeze what we can out of Facebook for this, for all our years of content creation for them for free. So uh, if you guys want to send a bunch of stars, like I said, we will do some sort of project with them uh, to better the industry, to better somebody else watching, but it'll be it'll be some creative sort of effort. Oh, little, my little Gator Boy's inside watching me here. So, oh, I love all the questions. I still got to get to the state of the company thing here. Ah, Mike Danahy. Oh, great to see you. So Mike and I sat in the same room uh, in the Toronto area a couple weeks ago, and it was great to see you, man. And uh, God, you people up in Canada are basically just like Minnesotans, and Minnesotans are just like the people in Canada. I felt like I was around a bunch of cousins and stuff when I was up there. So you guys are absolutely great there. Um, all right. Uh, what's your favorite primer for MDF? Uh, cover stain. Absolutely. I like oil primer on MDF because there's a whole bunch of witchcraft that goes into MDF. The uh, sealers, the binders, the glues, the everything in those things. There's a lot of science in that stuff. And uh, you can certainly use water-based primer, but water-based primer will likely raise bare MDF. I really like solvent-based primer for that stuff still. So 
Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other. Cover stain is a pretty good approximation of that. Any other oil primer. I actually like a quick drying oil primer for that stuff. You don't need like a long oil, uh, a very slow drying oil primer for MDF. You just need something to soak in a little bit, stick, and just stop those stains. Just flash dry, something like that. Eric Sowers, how's it going? Banging out those stars. I love this, guys. <laughs> ah, Jesse, what do you know about painting logos on silos? So... I just painted one. <laughs> You've been following along too. So I'm, I'm actually cobbling together. I took time-lapse videos of the entire process of creating stencils, painting a silo and things like that. And I'm, I'm putting together a, uh, a professional video of myself. We just talked about this. But one of the things that I captured um, Friday morning, uh, I started at about four in the morning. I was up in the lift at five in the morning and there was a time-lapse video that caught me working for an hour and then the sun coming up and that beautiful rosy orange glow hitting the silo and it's oh my god it's just like it's such a fun thing because this silo is part of a Giesen family farm Giesen is a fit local family name here um, they have a beautiful ball field a country ball field and it's got the announcer booth it's, it's just like field of dreams kind of stuff and uh, they actually have lights on a scoreboard at this thing too it's one of these beautiful country ball fields that we go watch baseball uh, um, I was I was lucky enough um, to uh, get to do a beer mural on the silo of my favorite local beer company, Giesenbrau Beer Company, right there too. They're big supporters of us. We have all our happy hours there, um, and yeah, it's it's a creation. I took their logo, I projected it up about uh, nine and a half uh, and six and a half feet, uh, and it was great. We we made our own stencils. We we mocked it up there, and it is beautiful. And especially because it's on a silo over a ball field. And uh, me and Dan, one of my craftspeople, we worked late into the night one night. And they actually turned on the lights for us. We worked till about 11, 11.30 one night doing that. So we got to do a mural on a silo, on a country ball field, Field of Dream stuff, under the lights of the stadium, uh, of the ball field. And it was a super memorable experience. And honestly, like one of those like master craftsperson moments where it's like, this is why we do this stuff. This is just like fun, enjoyable, awesome, unique, artistic. And literally my grandkids are going to be seeing that mural up there over that ball field. It, it's iconic. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Okay. Now let's actually get to the, uh, let's get to the part of the show here where we actually talk about what we came to talk to. So state of the business every once in a while I hop on and I just say, here's where we're at. And the one big thing you guys are going to notice is I have not been posting a lot probably for the last six or nine months, give or take. Um, I post, right? It feels like I post a lot, but honestly, when you look at it, I'm not posting as regularly as I used to. Why? I'm devoting a massive amount of time to my people. Um, this is something that I do not take for granted. We coach, we mentor, we train, we develop, we lead hardcore. Daily interaction, weekly interaction, monthly, quarterly interaction. Uh, goal setting and review meetings. Uh, I go out in the field a couple times a week and personally coach people on personality assessments, on craft, on processes, planning for projects, things like that. And we are we are expending an enormous amount of effort to make sure our people are developed in the most high way. Now, this is this takes a ton of time, and this also takes in a lot of emotional bandwidth, but in a good way. Um, so I don't. Over the last nine months, I've seen an effect. I made a conscious effort to pour my emotional bandwidth into my people, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I get a ton of energy from it. But what it does do, it it, it kind of empties my emotional bandwidth gas tank uh, every once in a while, too. So I don't have a whole bunch of energy to then devote back to posting stuff on social media or things like that. Like, 
Time is absolutely critical in what we're doing right now. Uh, we are still aggressively growing as a business, uh, not for a stunt, not for just numbers and show, but when the more data we get, there's certain plateaus in the industry where you kind of grow here and then you're kind of at a safe spot like this and you kind of need to make a jump and then another plateau, a jump and a plateau. It's not this smooth linear thing where add a person, add a person, add a person, add a person. Every once in a while you add enough painters then you have to put a bunch of overhead into your business. And then when you put a bunch of overhead you gotta make sure you have enough of painters. So it's kind of this teeter-totter that, that bumps back and forth. And right now, honestly, we're at this really cool plateau. Um, we see a, uh, typically what some people call a trough or a gap ahead of us, we're coming to this precipice. And if we add more people, we're kind of going to be like, we have the, we might have the tendency to be over capacity, like, and then start having burnout with our people. So we have to be careful about you know, having painters versus leadership team versus clients and things like this. We want everybody to have a good experience. So what I'm seeing in front of us right now, is this sort of like either trough or gap where we need to not grow a little bit. We may have to take a big leap. And this may be one year, five year, 10 year down the future, but right now, until we get enough data, we are pausing at this beautiful plateau. So what have the last bunch of years looked like? So most people know that have been to my master's classes or have seen me talk about any of this stuff about six years ago, give or take. Um, Five, six years ago, uh, I had three employees working for me, and they all left on one night, but for good reasons. Two of them went to go mission work, one of them went to go be a pilot. I was super happy for them, proud of them, but also super sad that it, it, uh, it affected my business. So basically, we've been on a six-year tear, five, six-year tear to say, we're going to be professional. We're going to grow a big business that can sustain this, no crazy ups and downs, and we're doing that. And it's amazingly fun to do. Current state of the company. We probably have... Um, 25 full-time year-round painters. We got about eight to 10 seasonal people, high school, college, and teacher uh, like that. We have a leadership team that consists of a coordinator, admin. There is me. There are two estimators, and there are two project managers. So we have about six people on there. Uh, and then we do subcontracting as well, too. So uh, within the company, we have, uh, we actually, our, our carpenter semi-retired. He's kind of still here, still not here. Uh, we do have a drywall division within the company, but we are currently looking for a carpenter replacement for him. And uh, we're taking our time. It's not easy to find somebody who shares our core values and does the projects we do and, and will give our clients care. So we're actually without an in-house carpenter, but we've been solving it with subcontractors and referrals and things like that. But that's basically the state of the business. Uh, all in all, if you look at our Slack thread, there's 45 people on it, give or take, at any one time. Uh, that obviously doesn't include subcontractors, things like that. It's an insanely fun thing to be at the helm of. And uh, to to gather up young people, uh, inspire them, and accomplish big missions with them is a wonderful thing. But the style of leadership that I prefer is supportive and demanding. And um, gentle, demanding, heavy support, give or take. Um, part of a leader, uh, part of a leader's role is to maintain the standard, create the standard, maintain it, and uphold it and fight for it. And you want to be supportive of your team. You want to pour in empathetic leadership. You want to coach them on their uh, personality types. You want to talk communication styles, show them a path forward, but also you got to uphold the standards. Um, without that, uh, the business isn't going to have any money. It's going to stress out the owner and the leadership team, and then you're going to start resenting people around you. That's just a human. Uh, that's a, just a human emotion. So it has to be this beautiful handshake agreement of, we are going to pour our lives into you and develop you and give you crazy opportunities. But in return, 
We have to take care of our clients. We have to meet these job budgets and we have to hit a, hit a finish standard as well too. That's how this whole operation works over and over again. So um, let me take a look at my notes here. Yeah, so over the last couple of years, um, uh, three years ago, uh, during you know uh, 2019 into 2020, uh, crazy years in there. I think we were maybe seven, eight hundred thousand dollars before the pandemic in 2020. You know, we were doing like 1.4. Last year we did 2.2, and this year we're on track to do about three million right now. So, I don't pick these numbers out of thin air. Uh, it's it's it, and it's not just like these ego numbers of I would like to hit two million, I would like to hit three million. There's actually really interesting data that projects this. And when I sat down to uh, project out based on the amount of leadership team that we have, the amount of painters and the amount of leads coming in, I kind of, I, I, I danced around about four different scenarios. I said, you know what, on the lowest end, we should probably produce about 2.7, 2.8, 2.9, somewhere in there to make sure we can afford our facility, our leadership team, our health insurance, retirement, PTO, all our social functions, our coaching, our development. But also, I, I do three other projections where it says, okay, what happens if we have a little more subcontracting this year? What if what if we uh, increase our sales process and, and Andy and Ian, our two estimators, are out there and they can provide more value to the clients? What if we uh, do this recruiting session right here? What if we do leadership coaching in some way to improve the efficiency and the happiness and the effectiveness of our crews? And you can project out about four scenarios between about 2.7 and 3.7. And it's based on numbers. You list out all your employees, what they could possibly produce, uh, the, the time and unit it takes in there to support them in a certain way. And then you can project out all these numbers. So um, we are still in a high growth, heavy development phase here. And uh, it's a super fun thing to be around. And the people that we've gathered up here are some of the most amazing people uh, I've ever met in my life. And uh, I get more energy out of what we do every day than even when I did 10, 20 years ago like that. And it's just an amazing, amazing process. And I'm super proud of all our people and the work they're doing and especially the care they give our clients, which is a big thing. Now, this is a high risk, high reward endeavor because we are not building this endeavor with a whole bunch of master craftspeople who have been around the industry for 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, literally, there's probably three or four people who have ever painted before that are currently in the business functioning. Maybe four people, five people out of 45. We've created all of our own, including our leadership team. In our leadership team, we only have one other person, the, the world-famous estimator Andy, who has ever painted before or even owned a business like that. So we are insanely fortunate to have the people uh, that we do. Now, what happens in the future now? Um, this is something that is my sole job description. And like I said, we are, we're standing at a precipice, but a good precipice, not this like, not this uh, cliff. We're standing at a precipice and there's a, a line of demarcation in the business where we kind of have to figure out like, what does the future look like from here? And of course I can, there's nothing that gives me more energy than visioning out the business, like trying to figure out where we are in the future, how many people it takes, what it looks like, our geographical area, how many leads, how many estimates, you know, uh, vans, facility, uh, things like that. But you also have to like overlay the happiness, the prosperity of the humans around you too. And that's one thing that, especially with the leadership team and the painters, I want to provide world-class opportunities for everybody. And I want to make sure this business is functioning at a size to do that. So plan for now, I think uh, I think we're in a optimizing holding pattern and slowing down growth. I think we, my gut, 
my gut as a master craftsperson and a paid business entrepreneur is to sort of like pause here, slow growth down a little bit, but optimize everything that we do now. Optimize the prosperity, the wealth, the time and money freedom of everybody here involved in the business, from painters, from leadership team to me, and uh, it, it increase the client um, experience, and then decide what that trough looks like, and if we do want to cross it to the next level of growth, what it looks like and, and, and how much we have to do. Because right now, uh, I have enough data to probably make a pretty good educated guess about what we have to do next for the next level of growth, um, but I want more data. And uh, my people, we are like pirates and cowboys, and we're just out here on our own. We're doing crazy stuff. We're trying to change an industry. We're trying to innovate in a very, very interesting way. And uh, I wanna make sure, just like we talked about, the burnout, the emotional bandwidth of my people, I can do this forever. I can be under immense stress, immense pain, and and uh, and sort of soldier on. But I also wanna make sure that my people also get the crazy rewards that this thing can do for all that uh, effort that they're putting forward. So right now we're kinda in this holding pattern. Um, the goal is not to maintain what we have. The goal is to just keep progressing. Slow, constant improvement. The apprenticeship program continues. Four to five times a year, we're bringing classes in to make sure we have a constant flow of new talent and, and people we can develop and just keep constantly progressing all the time and then sort of figure out what that looks like. And uh, I think it's, we're, two things will probably limit us uh, in the future here in this next jump. Like we've bootstrapped all our growth to here. Just, we haven't had any funding. We haven't had any partners. We haven't really done any of that stuff. We've kind of just like, let's grab some people, let's grow, let's do more. But now, uh, two things are abundantly clear to me and we'll probably be limited by these, which is the development of our own leaders. Because again, the army doesn't pick a, a, a platoon sergeant out of the wild and say, great, we've now recruited a platoon sergeant, get in there. They make their own, they have to. It's so unique what they do. We are gonna be limited by our ability to create our leaders. And we actually have a leadership academy, a, a coaching academy in the company that's voluntary for all employees. Yesterday, uh, we had a group that met. I buy breakfast, we put people on the clock, and we coach them at a very high level about accountability and what actual leadership and management looks like. So we are actively developing our own people, and it is a beautiful thing to see happen. Um, also, we have bootstrapped our own growth. The second thing we're gonna be limited by is capital. Um, this last time, uh, we, we uh, recruited 12 people in the span of about four weeks. We trained and did them all. Um, that, that recruiting group likely cost about 30 grand uh, to get into the company, recruit, train, and then deploy into the field. And that's a lot of money. Um, and one thing we have to be careful for in the future when we grow, uh, this is why people eventually, um, and sometimes consider partnering with other people, or uh, taking investors because they need money to grow. Excuse me, stuffy dose. They need money and time to grow. And a lot of times, you know, you can do this in a lot of ways. You can do it with a partner, you can do it with investors, you can take out a business loan, uh, or you can just raise the capital yourself and uh, stack cash away so that you have that buffer so that when you do want to invest in the next um, growing sort of things here, uh, in your business, you have the capital there. So there's lots of options, but I think this is the last time where we're gonna bootstrap growth like that. 
Um, I am, as far as like entrepreneurial scrappy companies, I'm pretty much a financial wizard with what we do. I can hold everything together. It's a, it's probably not a professional CPA accountant way to do it, but I'm very frugal. Uh, I'm a very good manager of money and we're just prudent with our stuff. And so we can get through stuff like this easily. It's fun. It's good. But I do know that if we do make another big uh, gap, it's going to take some very intentional cash flow analysis and budgeting and things like that. So yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, we got a lot of questions here. Da, 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 da. Ah, Brian, what portion of that $3 million is from the in-house uh, painting division? Um, you know, we uh, high goal for subcontracting is about a million this year, but I think we can do uh, between two and two and a half million with our W-2 painters uh, this year and carpenters and drywallers. That should be good. Danilo, good to see you, man. Uh, bon dia. <laughs> Brian Cheeseman, Olive Holdings coming soon. Uh, oh, we must be talking about Olive, <laughs> Jason's company. Uh, Jesse, what's your uh, take on the state of the economy in 22-23 as it uh, pertains to your company and industry? Ah, this is something that people are talking a lot about. Sorry, I'm just going to adjust my over overalls here and have a seat back. So uh, I take a very hardline stance on any of this stuff, uh, and I don't care, honestly. I shouldn't say that. I do care, but... Um, what I've, what I've known as pattern detection uh, in our industry, and in and, and every industry for that matter, is that um, before the pandemic, people said it's hard to find people. Like kids these days are lazy and stupid and they listen to funny music. And that's the reason I can't find good people and grow. Then the pandemic hit and people said, well, now it's the pandemic. And now it's the government giving them unemployment. And there's many studies to show that, you know, even when they took the um, employment money away, people weren't rushing back to the workforce in the way that we thought they would. And then there's the excuse, well, people think about work differently now, and, and uh, the pandemic changed over. Everybody wants a work-from-home job. Fine. I don't think that's true. Um, and now people are talking about inflation and gas prices. That's the reason I can't do this. Um, we are way too quick to find excuse du jour uh, as to why we're not accomplishing what we want. Um, I started my business in 2007. I hear tell that there was a crazy recession, housing crisis, high unemployment, things like that. I practiced the fundamentals of business. I, I, I had a way to find jobs. I could paint them very well. Uh, we were profitable. There were people who wanted to work. So I divorced myself from all politics, all news on the macro level, and basically just said, if people want me to paint, and I have the ability to paint, and there's people who want to help me paint, I'm going to do that. And it's going to be completely divorced of all that stuff. Now, I'm not going to be that dumb, dumb ostrich in the sand that says gas prices don't affect people. Um, uh, interest rates don't affect people and all that other stuff because, I mean, literally within the span of 30 days, I got a thousand gallon fuel barrel <laughs> for this company and it went from filling it for $1,500 to now over four grand. So that's something, but you also have to people, you have to be reasonable about this stuff. And yes, that doesn't feel good. I'm paying another 2,500 bucks for a thing that, you know, didn't cost that much in the first place. But when you look at that rationally on a line item for a company that's going to generate $3 million in business, it's almost a rounding error at the end. Like, yes, it's an expense you have to watch and you have to care about, but if, if it enrages you and you want to do something about it, what could you possibly do? You're going to change the interest rate. You're going to change employment and unemployment. You're going to change the price of gas. You're going to change the price of paint for that matter. People believe that there's all sorts of these things that are macro issues that are affecting them that are the reasons why you can't succeed. And it, when you say that, if you believe that, 
then there's no reason to be in business because those are always going to be there. Somebody once told me very wise years ago that the economy is going to do this. There's going to be a couple things that change. And this is the dumb, dumb version of economics. I love economics and I, and, uh, I grabbed every bit of it I could in college, but this is just a painter's version of that. Whereas I think about it as, um, employees and clients right now, there's a lot of demand for what we do. There's a lot of client demand for what we do, but it is, it takes a lot more work to find the employees down here. Now, if the economy flips, the jobs are not going to be, I should say projects are not, are going to be harder to get, but it, when an unemployment raises, now all of a sudden we're going to have people with master's degrees looking to feed their family, probably coming into the trades in mass. So there's opportunities in each one of these things. So if you think like <clears throat> interest rates are low, right? So people are doing a lot of housing projects. People are feeling house wealthy and, and generally wealthy. So they'll spend a little more money on their house. They can get uh, relatively uh, inexpensive or free capital. So maybe those jobs are there because people feel wealthy. If people don't feel wealthy, the price of their house uh, may go up, the interest rates may go up, or the price of their house may go down. They may not be feeling about good about recession. So the, they may be spending less money on their house. Now, the upside of that is I also hold, uh, have a holdings company where we buy investment properties. Now, all of a sudden, the price of investment properties uh, goes down and they're way more affordable. So now people can buy their first time houses. People can buy an investment property. People can, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of churn with these things where people buy and sell, also creating more jobs. So in every economy, there's upside and downside and different amount of opportunities. I take a hard line approach to this because it, unsatisfying truth is the earlier you wake up, the later you stay up at in the night, the harder you work during the day, you'll get a bigger return on that than you will waiting for gas prices, politics, macroeconomics to change your state in life. Our own <laughs> competition is our own ability to execute our business plans. Jason Paris, 2018. He said that at a conference and it stuck with me ever since. It's stuck with the industry ever since. Right now in this industry, your only competition is not the federal government or the state government or even your local municipality. It's your own ability to execute your plan. Professionalized businesses don't have problems finding jobs, finding labor, and doing the basic functions of business. And in fact, it's been like one of the greatest 15-year runs for business in, in the trades that we've ever had. And yes, it will probably not go on forever. But as things change, even if our economy slows down and there's less jobs, there's going to be wild amounts of opportunities uh, around elsewhere. So I saw that during the pandemic where people had a global pandemic. They were legally allowed to operate and they just decided to close up shop. That was all they wanted. There was nothing actually stopping them from working. They just decided to close up shop. And that's not right or wrong. But if you use that as an excuse, that's going to be a tough way to go along as a, as a business owner. We are problem solvers. We're pattern detection. And we can solve these things easily. And right now in our industry, it's only limited by our ability to execute. So that's, I love that because that's something we can solve. And I take that to heart uh, a lot. So let's go through some more questions. But Jesse, awesome question. Aaron Muncy, excuses will kill you. Can do his attitude and entrepreneurs. We have to succeed. Absolutely. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Yep, I've heard that before. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing. So, okay, let me just check IG quick. Love this. Okay, let me check my notes, see what else we got here. Yeah, I think we had all of my notes there, but basically state of the company is, this is awesome. I am loving this. There's stress that comes with it. 
there's emotional bandwidth vampires, but for every one of those there are, there's 10, 12 other people who are just the most beautiful, hardworking, awesome people that take care of our clients and are truly being inspired to do this craft. And there's always gonna be that in every business, in every area. Now, if I, if I go work for Target, there's gonna be emotional bandwidth vampires that work there too. Creating a, a set of coping skills, leadership abilities and setting boundaries and maintaining standards is a very important thing and I'm basically going to devote my life to that to the next bunch of years here to support my people uh, have a return for this business uh, so that we can afford these wonderful things and for our clients so thank you for letting me sort of like thought experiment and ponder this morning uh, this is a fun thing I really do enjoy this it's a beautiful Saturday here um, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter is a young budding entrepreneur and she's at our farmer's market currently, uh, with her own business, uh, selling stuff. And it's a beautiful thing to witness. And, uh, I hope in some sense that she's seen her father and her mother do this sort of thing and it was inspired by it. It's probably not unrelated. Uh, but that's why we do this sort of stuff to inspire other people to make the world around them better and, uh, provide a, uh, a return for our company. So huge request right now. Like Ask a Painter Live, follow it, share this show right now. Just hit share right now. Just share this show. We want other like-minded people uh, to follow along with us. And I hear tell that these star things are free this week. Again, at some point they're going to be monetized. At some point I'll get some money for them. And then we're going to do some fun thing with them. Uh, probably a, a group-funded thought experiment sort of thing. But uh, if they're free this week and you have access to them, hammer them, folks. Just absolutely hammer them. Log them up here. We got... 2100 of them already um i don't know what we use them for but i can guarantee it's going to be creative and it's going to be fun and i appreciate you guys very much uh have a good rest of the weekend uh, i am going to enjoy this a lot i mean look at this folks you can hear the dang birds behind me um this morning we have a bird feeder where is it right down there um yeah right before i started ask painter live deer just standing there looking at me and my family in the house drinking our coffee so all right people I appreciate you guys so much. I see you guys just hammer those stars. Again, just exploit it if you can. We're gonna use this for some for some good purpose and I appreciate you guys so much. Have a good weekend and uh, we'll see you, see you next time. Paint Ed Podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.